Welcome to the Event Room, where event professionals from different backgrounds talk about the latest, most controversial, and interesting topics dominating the minds of the industry right now. This is a candid conversation, the likes of which can only otherwise be found late at night in host hotel lobby bars during industry conferences. So relax and drop in on what event pros really say when no one else is around. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event AV company that tells you how it really is. Now, let's brew something up. Oh, hey, brewers. Hey, it's that time again to spill the tea. And your event brew crew is here to stir it all up. This is Tui Deet with PRA Business Events. Hello, everybody. This is Dustin Westling with One West Events. I guess this is Nick Borelli uh, from Borelli Strategies, even though Will's name is next on the call sheet. <laughs> Come on, Will. Wake up. Oh, and this is Will Curran, uh, somehow still recording li- live from San Diego. And a bachelor party uh, pre-gaming currently? Yes. What are uh, we drinking? What are you drinking? I, they're making that up. I, no, I'm here remote working and <laughs> having client meetings. You could do both. You could do both. Simultaneously. Anyone want to play a stack cup? Yeah, it's a good yeah. networking uh, opportunity between you and potential clients. You, That's true. You're That's in true. A, you... But seriously, have you... You're in a bachelor party, Airbnb, which is basically my worst. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's uh, it's pretty awesome. But real quick, have you guys ever heard of Stack Cup before? Yeah. Uh, it sounds like a drinking game. Yeah, old. it is. So, uh, so Tui's heard of it. Tui, you want to explain what it is? I have, I never played it. Oh, until I this can't give you any rules. No, fun. you just gotta you just gotta learn as you go. Then take those. Yeah, it's basically it's like beer pong and flip cup on crack and like it's so fast paced like it's addicted to it and um, it sells like all of its clothes in order to like <laughs> continue playing and like does uh, it have all its teeth <laughs> <laughs> i feel sorry for its kids do we take your <laughs> it's on crack thing too too literal uh too literal right, we're just gonna talk about what we're drinking though so we'll start with you well are you drinking like expression shots what are you drinking um i really i i figure i'd do downgrade this time since i've been drinking so much gen matcha uh, that I went to Snapple Peach Tea, which I feel like I've drank it on this show before. It's like pure sugar. <laughs> during the IMAX. I'm pretty sure. Yes, I have drank it. That's IMAX. right. During IMAX, I was drinking Snapple. Yeah, same thing. It's pure sugar, basically. There's still Snapple facts on the uh, lids. Stand by. Okay. Talk about something while I turn this lid on. So uh, the Snapple episode of Seinfeld, that was good. Um, oh, um, go. I hate to break it to you, but uh, it's playing. Oh, that's the I, best part. I'm out. This is going to be a rough episode, guys. I can feel it. (laughs) Every episode is a rough episode with us. Live events. (laughs) Live events. So... So what's the topic? Wait, no. Today, what's that? And then a bit extra drinking right now. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Everybody. I'll keep us on track. Yeah. So I have a fruit smoothie um, that uh, has a lot of fresh fruit in it. Also, there's a two cans of uh, sugar-free Red Bull inside of it, and some kind of energy powder. Uh, which you know <laughs> they probably got they probably give to horses before they race or something like that so it's crap. yeah i like to take a healthy thing and i'm like what what could i do to make this terrible oh my god i have no words <laughs> nick I, I was so proud of it we're drinking a smoothie and then it went down yeah i like there. to subvert expectations yeah 
Well, I'm recording from the beautiful Marriott Toronto Airport Hotel. And I got an Americano from the Lobby Cafe. And I actually have to say, it's very good. Um, and usually, Lobby coffee is not great. But this was How was the temperature? Because so, last yeah. time you got an Americano, I think you burnt your mouth. Uh, I'm still in Canada, so the coffee is at a reasonable temperature. <laughs> it's only in America is the coffee boiling when they give it to you. And I have no idea why. Okay, it's, a, it's a country of extremes. So I'm drinking. I went to uh, Vietnam recently. So I grabbed tea from the most southern point of Vietnam. I went to the Mekong Delta Ooh. River and grabbed it from some country. Or nice country, some like um, countryside like city. And then Whoa. I put it in a French press. So we're... The... Wait, you get French yeah, press tea? All right. I've never done that before. Is it like good? Like, what's the point? Uh, I don't know. Just like instead of having one of those tea balls that just kind of diffuse in the water, you just push okay. it down. It kind of like really squeezes the juices mm-hmm. out and of the And then I have a little bit of organic honey. But mm-hmm. I do want to give a shout out. Oh, actually, so I can't pronounce this tea, uh, even though Vietnamese was my first language. But it is jasmine tea. And then I want to give a shout out to Will mm-hmm. because I got this in the mail. I got his matcha tea. Uh, oh, which yeah, yeah. Is this the one that tastes like popcorn? J- the yeah, yeah I'll try matcha, this next yeah. time. Which uh, I I had uh, after like because I I was just giving it mine, so I had to, I researched to try to find refine it, and I realized that Gen Matcha is actually it's just normal sencha green tea, but they put roasted yeah. rice in it, uh, and that's what gives it the popcorn Maybe taste. I'll try it later, but okay, I had roasted rice so. from cereal today, so there's that. <laughs> you mean rice? Oh yeah, piece? that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now what are we talking about? We're going to be talking about the future. And I just put a note in there, the Tesla Cybertruck. Hopefully the glass won't break this time. And <laughs> no, we're talking about event team members of the next decade. And I'm really excited for this one. So I don't even know how to start, you guys. We just started thinking of lists so, and like, yeah. titles. What are What are... So I think that... I was going to say, are there any event uh, categories or uh, event uh, roles that exist now that didn't exist, let's say, 10 years ago, 15 years ago? Like, I'm curious if anyone could think of anything. Social media. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's great. That's mm-hmm. great. Person. Yeah. Think of anything else? Definitely more um, safety, security, um, dedicated positions, more so in the last 10 years than before. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say like all the like the video engineers role within the like the the general session has like really expanded to lots of different roles. You have the person in charge of content, someone's in charge of like these triple wide thirty by ten screens. Like none of that existed before. It was just like, oh hey, we had one AV guy and that was content it. is a great one. I mean, just the idea that the uh, ways that content creators work with hand in hand with event professionals, like before that was just it was basically what PowerPoint. That's it. Uh, and then maybe there's some graphics people or, or that kind of thing, but now it's much more dynamic and it also takes into consideration, um, you know, AV teams that are, that have a content wing in them are, are so much more in vogue now than they were 15 years ago. I concur, doctor. I'd say more, um, you see more hosting concierge services, Mm. more, um, um, more attendee services now than you than you would have ten years ago. Yeah, I'm trying to think anything on the hospitality or um, F and B side that you think like from a role perspective 
that's like the the least disrupted. I'm sure they don't think that, but I think to me at least the least disrupted sector of events. Um, I feel like chefs, even though that like chefs have always been around, they are more involved. It's always about oh, doing demos and doing, you know, customized lists and having the chef there for, you know, either like book signing. I feel like chefs have really been celebritized, if that's a word. A front of the house chef, you know, mm-hmm. like that was something. It used to all like be They behind. were like cooks and they were, you know, like less than people. And now they're celebrities and they're like people I got to see the chef. Tattoos included. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's all about that real. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. AV, F&B, hospitality, venues. Um, I'm trying to think of other positions. I mean, and, and we've had, we obviously, we had some uh, big big changes in the last 10 years as far as technology is concerned. Um, and then just, just the general level of sophistication of live events um, has advanced, obviously. Um, but, like, disruptions, I think, where we're looking into the future where we think that there's probably going to be more. And that's kind of at least what I've been reading about the impact of exponential increases and the difference between incremental and excremental or <laughs> Oh, I just stumbled upon something. Um, anyways. Uh, yeah. Like there's a big difference in the climb. So for the last 10 years, maybe there was, let's say five or six or seven different positions that you would never find on an event team. We should expect not the, the, the equivalent seven or 10 new ones, but you know, 21 or 30 potentially new positions if you know we were to run along those lines and if technology is the disruptor that is you know focusing these things <laughs> yeah Correct. no one disagrees um i totally agree well so should we start talking about what the next uh 10, ten years will look like the next decade and well, maybe what, moving what, what, what we yeah moving from that is the fact that um i think the biggest burden on on event uh designers strategists planners uh, and even implementers uh, has been these uh, these huge leaps in technology to the degree that most people in the events industry feel like we're behind the eight ball. Like we're not, as far as industries are concerned, we're not on the cutting edge of implementation of technologies. Um, last episode, I, I tried to like do my best to figure out um, the positive side of that, and or you know at least the excuse of that, not just like we're we're dim. We're not. We just have so much on our plates that you know adding new technologies is is great but we also have to worry about all these other safety and, and you know all these other concerns of of actual human beings being in our in our presence um that all said i think that the idea of a technologist as as someone who is a member of your team uh who is a third party or you know a uh, an agency or a consultant someone who can interpret all of your goals all of your issues, all of your your challenges, and then have a solution of and, and having the knowledge of all the possible solutions would say, oh, what you're looking for is this app, you know, or these these three apps in concert. Um, where if I were to tell an event planner they have to know all the apps and how they would work in all the different combinations, like it just isn't going to happen, and that's why we don't have that now. Who do you think? So on the technologist side. I think every every new position that we're going to talk about is probably going to evolve from a position that exists already. So who hmm. is poised to be the technologist? Who's Good in question. our industry right now and and how is that how are their roles going to evolve? Yeah, I mean I can definitely jump all over this cuz this is definitely the wheelhouse of the AV company I think for sure. I think the AV companies 
I mean, you look at all the AV companies, they're starting to call themselves event technology companies, and more and more do clients ask us, hey, by the way, can you take care of, obviously, internet? Can you obviously take care of um, the event app and all these things like that? So I think the AV company is going to evolve, and I think specifically within an AV company, the technical director position, mm-hmm. who usually is kind of limited almost usually to the general session just to kind of manage all the technical aspects they're going to now get pulled out of the general session and maybe that technical director position will stay there but now they'll become brant and i kind of coined this term technical producer um as somebody who can manage all your tech and kind of tell you all the tech stuff as well um and uh, i'll link down below into the show resource notes the episode we did all about the technical producer uh, episode we did do you think there's value in an agency or a um, production firm to have their own technologist? Yeah, I think they Based need. On I scale. think they need. Depends it. on scale, I mean, but yeah, yeah, I, I I think so because like I mean, there's like for example, you look at for example, there's people on my team who have no idea what's going on with event apps and engagement softwares and things like that, and then you have some people who are really passionate about that and have to stay on it, but rightfully so, the people who don't know about the engagement apps and the event apps are also worrying about the new video codecs and all the like new video formats and you know oh this and this and that and you know things that are outside their wheelhouse so i think like yeah there's definitely uh i've I've always been a fan of having someone generally on your team who just knows tech who is just dangerous enough in every area to help you out um to a pra what do you how do you guys manage tech on your side do you have anybody within pra that is um that oversees tech as a as a whole or are you really reliant on third parties to bring you what's latest and greatest you know what i think internally we have our own like av company that we source you know like my emails are working things like that but client facing a lot of times like production companies come with the the clients they travel around a lot but then we also have one smooth stone which is a production company and so i feel like they if anything handle a lot of the tech stuff or our third part our supplier partners we usually will hire an av company that come in that comes in and and does all that stuff because i feel like i have all the the different nooks of our industry av is so technical and there's so many te- actually i just broke down a av quote the other day and when i jumped on the phone with them i said which one is just the microphone because they had the signs <laughs> like all the the big terminology for it and the, the brand and i just i was like i just need to know which one microphone is they should have walked you through it. Not yeah, it was the first time, it. and they were great. Afterwards, I was yeah. like, okay, this just needs to be more lined items so I can grab, you know, like the pricing versus pack. I gave them some feedback, and the revisions that they did next was great. It was the first time using them. But, yeah, all I was like, I don't need all this terminology. I just need a microphone. They <laughs> they need to listen to our acronym and jargon episode. Oh, I'll send, actually, yeah, I'll send that to them. So a client, a client comes to you, Dustin, and they give you their overall goals. You know, like we're trying to, um, I don't know, let's say we're trying to engage our attendees to, um, you know, maybe be more uh, into our brand and, and create some uh, positive brand equity. And, you know, maybe it's softer, right? That like that. And uh, we want to, you know, maybe launch into a movement and, you know, get people excited about what we're doing. Um, at the table with you, you know, in, in all of your design palettes, you know, you've got all of the aesthetic design possibilities. You've got uh, all of the, you know, knowledge and experience you have of how people react to things. Do you see yourself having someone at the table who is just th- their palette is, is all of the technologies to potentially, you know, paint with? 
taking it uh definitely um i i we definitely use um the best event technology partners mm-hmm. and we bring the right team to the table and every everyone in our market from a technology side has different strengths and um so yeah so i mean i i don't know that i don't know that i have the the capacity for somebody that is full-time thinking about tech and events but that i mean look look where we are now look at how the last 10 years has changed and it's becoming more and more important and i can say i mean this episode's talking about the next 10 years and i it it wouldn't shock me if in, yeah in five to ten years if there wasn't somebody on my team that their job was to engage and work with tech companies to get the most innovative and the best product to our clients so i can see this being something that that could exist within agencies and production houses yeah i I do too. Um, I, I know that I had a conversation with uh, Ilea at one point uh, about the uh, 11 uh, core disciplines. Uh, and there was an idea of does technology is technology the 12th? So we did some exploration on it. And at least my finding in what I gave them to think about from my perspective was no, it, it's part of all 11 um, as opposed to its own thing. Like it is a it's their tools, you know, technology, and it's like, you know, very, um, I guess, precise definition. It, it's just technology, it's just tools in order to accomplish something. But I didn't see it necessarily as a discipline unto itself. I just think that all the disciplines needed to be able to refresh what they were doing uh, in order to reconcile with where technology was going. That said, for practical purposes, um, I, I think that like, there's probably such a change that happens in technology that like asking all of your like asking your tenting people to know about all the technologies that exist out there is a challenge right so i think that there's there's probably a room for a team member Mm -hmm. yeah i agree it's interesting you say that because i'm working with the professional development team with ilia on that exact thing this was years ago so i don't know where it is now and it's it is it is being looked at again. And I actually think that insight's really important. Yeah. I, I mean, always any, you know, anytime anyone wants that version of it, I'm happy to talk to them about it, but um, it's, uh, it's really difficult to say, you know, like where is technology um, a thing unto itself or is it, uh, you know, is there anything that can really exist without it? Right. Like you can't, you can't have a core discipline in anything without taking into consideration all the tools available to further the end of that thing. Right. Um, Like there is no example of like, well, I don't, I don't use levers, you know, in what I do or whatever tools. Um, So there needs to be a lever expert or maybe I'm stretching it too much, but like there, there is something to be said about engaging in uh, a discipline in anything in a, in a modern world and being able to know what exists that impacts your disciplines. Now that's specific, I guess, to those, you know, uh, the idea of like the planner on the other hand, having a specialist on their planning team, who um, specializes in technologies, that's where I think that the quote-unquote technologist might have the ability to make an impact. I think when it comes to implementing, just like I think implementers should all think strategically, even though they're not event strategists, I think implementers should also be able to think and understand technologies in their realm and know that. I like it. 
What do you think, Tui? Ready to ready to tackle the next yeah, one? Yeah, let's do it. I think Will should talk about this one because he made up the word. Yeah, I think uh, we need more sustainabilists. Sustainabilists. Sustain, Elab- elaborate on that, on that Will. <laughs> uh, well, shout out to anyone in the audience who sends a comment uh, to what the proper term would be. But basically someone who's focusing just on sustainability. Um, I think it would be really huge for events. I mean, we're talking about how it's such a big focus, such a big trend, and how it needs to be it. Like, it seems like right now it's just kind of tacked on to operations roles or someone who's just like, I'm going to volunteer some extra time to be in charge of this, but needing probably its own dedicated role, especially as things are going. Well, take me, take me through a day in the life of a sustainableist. Well, I think one thing that it has to be able to do is be like cross um departmental so you know they're able to go sit in on meetings with the av team and with the food and bev team and the venue team and see all the different like elements of like for example like food and bev like okay where are they sourcing the food from where are they is this stuff sustainable like are there going to be food waste all those things like that the av team okay so are we using led lights you know like they kind of use their knowledge of sustainability to ask the questions of like what are we doing what more can we do and maybe, you know, what costs more money and what costs less money and almost in a sense like they might almost need their own budget too where they can say like, oh, I can dedicate some budget towards this to give AV a little bit more money to go all LED or something like that maybe. Um, I think also they're also staying on top of a lot of the trends too. So, for example, you know, we have the big trend of getting rid of single-use plastics, but maybe, for example, um, that – bamboo straws are also just as bad so they would be aware of that stuff whereas maybe someone else doesn't maybe that's the part for me like if you tell me you know like there's a i see the parallels between the sustainableist and the technologist like they know um they not only have an awareness of what's out there but like what's best um because there's a lot of junk science out there just like there's a lot of junk sustainability so like there's a lot of, you know, like, well, if, if you do the research, this this sustainability tactic ends up being just as costly in reality as doing, you know, what's always been done. Um, but it has the appearance of sustainability, you know, because of marketing or whatever. Like there's a lot of like who has the time to figure out what's really, you know, what's really doing this or not. Like are like I've heard that like metal straws um there's a threshold unless they're used, you know, so much that they are worse for the environment than disposable. And, and that makes sense. Right. So like knowing that that life cycle, uh, like in Microsoft, they call it closing the loop. Like when they create solutions that sometimes the solutions they create cause other problems. Mm-hmm. So they figure out how to solve the problems that their their solution solves in order to have a, a holistic thing. Like I think that like thinking like that. Um, and having some a thinker on the team like that that really you know sees all the way through like this week, my mind is blown. Like Dream uh, Dreamforce came out oh, and yeah. said there's no beef. 170 thousand attendees, big. I mean, lots of dudes because it's Dreamforce, um, disproportionately male. Um, and uh, and it's 170 thousand people who there's no beef option for like four days. I think it is in SF. Um, because of environmental concerns. Coldplay comes out and says they're not touring and not having live experiences because of the ec- or the sustainability impact 
that live events have on uh, the world, and they're trying to figure out a way to be more sustainable. Now, some of this might be, you know, uh, PR and marketing and spin, not sure, but I would want somebody on the team that would tell me if that was true and also a way to do it. But these are these are perceptions that are becoming reality um, on one end. And on the other end, um, you know, again, I, I, I know that I don't know enough to be of value, so I would, I would sub-hire for somebody like this. That's interesting about the Coldplay thing. Yeah. Don't you think that's a hinder towards our industry? Now, having... Yeah, of course. It's, it's an indicator. Yeah. Like, they're scared of live events, right? And, like, uh, honestly, music has been a big proponent, I think, in the last 20 years of pushing the envelope of um, the experience economy because uh, once their product uh, for the last 100 years, albums, went away, you know, in, in a lot of ways, they, du- they doubled down on the live experience and that, believe it or not, pushed the envelope for a lot. Like you get festivalization from that. Festivalization has a ripple effect that that made its way into into uh, corporate events, which you you see in yeah, like all its cool technical production stuff yeah. that came from it. All that just became honestly became Napster. Like it, it's a it's a knock on effect. Um, but like now they're talking about like they're they're going to like the Middle East and simulcasting uh, a concert like in instead and. Um, I don't know. Look, this could be a outlier. It could be a one-off. It could be they're they're a big band though, and they're they're influential, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it's it's out there. Um, so I, I don't know. I pay attention to stuff like that, but like there should be like the live events should have an answer to that, you know? It's it's yeah. real, real quick. I want to tack onto that because uh, the thought process too is that also interesting news that came out this week too is that the it used to be called Your Wave or something like that was a VR platform for um, experiences <laughs> now. They are officially launched, and it's basically they're trying to push for virtual reality concerts now as well. It's been ten years of trying to push for that. Mm. There's definitely going to be the the Greta Thunberg effect mm. um, in the way young people travel, and, and what's um, that? I don't know what that Gre- is. You don't know who that is? No, no, no. Okay, oh bye. My God, I can't. Uh. I can't with you. So what? wait, you guys. You guys how do you do not know who Nick does it? Just... Because I... Nick knows more than you. I don't know. Um, I, just, I guess I never was taught it. So she's a Swedish, um, a Swedish um, uh, environment conservationist activist who has. I think she did a TED talk and it went viral. So now, oh, she's... this is the the girl who wouldn't wouldn't travel. It's uh, yeah. Mouth it, did like a remix. Yeah. Of, she, of her talk. So she came. She came over to North America on a solar boat or something like that. I feel and like she's... did we just have a podcast episode about this? No, uh, or so, on maybe a Ventech podcast or. So, someone was telling me about this, so I do know who this okay. is now. Yeah, so keep going for those who don't. Yes, know. so she's driving around North America in Arnold Schwarzenegger's Tesla, and as um, you do, and and shaming everybody for their for their lifestyle and for their consumption, and she's drawing these huge, massive crowds, and and there's been so much focus on the way she travels and on how damaging travel is to the environment. And it is something to pay attention to because there's a lot of young people that that support this this green movement. And the unfortunate part is is that that we're not we're not making travel better fast enough. And the the voices that are saying how bad travel is for the environment are so much louder than the voices of the the great changes that we've made in efficiency and in 
in more um, environmentally friendly travel options. And airplanes are going to be going to be gas guzzlers for a long time and we're a long ways away from having airplanes that are that are great for the environment so i do think that that going back to that cold play um canceling or not you know not not producing live experiences in the in the name of sustainability that's a thing and and how long is it going to be before we start saying we're not going to travel for conferences we're not going to travel for trade shows because there's a whole generation behind us that are going to say no i I won't get on an airplane i won't i won't travel outside of 100 kilometers of my home base i i can only go electric and there's a that's uk uh, proposal that says uh that they should uh tax frequent flyers uh and make frequent flyers have to pay more uh to fly and get rid of the idea of points because it incentivizes people to consume more fuel uh, and the people who are consuming more fuel should pay more for that because they're uh, they're more they're like a, in a, in a, if they were a factory that was producing more you know uh, waste then you would tax them more so why not people so yeah in Canada we have a carbon tax so you you pay you pay for the the pollution that you create and it's it's a it is a hugely controversial issue in Canada and I won't get into the specifics of it but what it, what it's doing is it's 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 tearing down industries and diverting business to other countries that don't give a shit about the environment that you know we're you know in Canada we're one of the we're one of the cleanest petroleum producers in the world we've got the highest standards for employment we pay our people more than 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 anybody else and and our government is so focused on 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 the environment that they're that they're willing to tear that apart and all it's doing is diverting that business to countries that don't have the same practices that that have very very dirty extraction for petroleum and oil and um pay their employees crap and 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 this this is a little this is a huge issue in Canada that's going to continue to be a bigger and bigger issue and what's going to happen it's going to be North America that's going to lose this fight and and the Middle Eastern and um and and Europe um, oil producers are going to end up winning and that just sucks. But I think all that is kind of intertwined into this carbon taxing doesn't make any sense unless the entire world does it. Yeah. And the genie's out of the bottle for happen. globalization. And, uh, I understand why, um, you know, Canadian, uh, officials are p- putting out something like this that, you know, as someone, especially who lives in, uh, Calgary sees as transparently, you know, nonsense, uh, I understand why they do it because they're just trying to get elected. So they want to be able to say in simple one sentences, we did this to protect the environment as opposed to, you know, we shut this down as opposed to saying, well, we live in a global world now and all we can do is be pragmatic about solutions. But again, that's not what gets people elected anymore. So, um, yeah, it's uh, any case. Could you imagine like having to keep your professionally have to keep your thumb on the pulse of where this stuff changes politically, where, what, what people are saying. Like, I think that like this role is really, really big. I could see reports being written to teams about saying like, we can't say this anymore. We need to say it like this. If we're going to an event in, let's say Alberta, we have to think that, that they're a little bit more conscious of, of it like that. Um, Mm -hmm. that kind of like information, like again, tacking all of that on as it is stands right now on top of a planner designer is 
not fair. And I think this is what a lot of these new positions could potentially alleviate is uh, there's just so much vulnerability of not specializing in this stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. So just one thing to know, <laughs> I don't know why. Just one more thing on your head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the sustainability list person, I feel like that person yeah. would want to try to convert me to take spin classes and like going out the night before want me to like confirm taking a hike with her or him in the morning on like a Saturday. I don't know why I put that persona on this person, but that's, I, I don't know if I would want to hang I out with this person. I'm sorry. You probably wouldn't. I got one more, <laughs> one more thing to say. That's a cool angle. <laughs> same about, thing with safety people. I got one more thing to say about politics. And in, in Canada, we have the green party and the green party is as, as, so far to the left and they are you know they run their campaign saying we need to be off fossil fuels by 2030 which would be absolutely just it's insanity and our federal election happened last month and they had the most successful year they've ever had they still struggle to get seats our our um um the way our government works a little bit different they still didn't get as many seats but they got the votes and they got more they got more representatives and more ridings than they've ever had before, and it is growing, and it's growing really, really fast. And as our, as the voter base is changing, and as more younger people are having a say, this this is going to be a thing. Um, and I think that there's there's going to be a there's going to be a bit of a, a well, I mean, you know, it's it's no different than what's going on in America with. Um, um, AOC and the, with the Green New, New Deal, the Green yeah. New Deal, and and this this is something that that can be quite laughable because you know that today there's not a there's not a, a majority government that's going to support it, but that's going to change in time, and there's going to be more more and more people that are going to put pressure on travel in our industry and the sustainability of our industry, and the reality is is our industry is is a bit wasteful, and I, our I think. Yeah, I think we. I think that's earned. Uh, I think totally. I think it's a combination of earned and also just just a natural output. Like in as much as live events are soft targets for terror, you know, in in all forms, you know, in shooters and in whatever else. I think live events are also uh, targets, or, or not targets, but like are perpetrators of uh, of needless consumption. Uh, and, or need needed consumption because it's active, right? Like staying at home and, um, you know, not making deeper connections and not putting people at the same table, et cetera, um, is less wasteful, right? But we know that there's an impact. So it has to be, you know, the balance has to be there. I think the balance is out of whack. I think that with design, we can overcome, uh, just like I think that for most things. But right now, the pressure hasn't been put on designers to um, to do that. And I think it, just like I'm looking at, which you could potentially get into the idea of, you know, I guess I think the technology to, to sustainability was a good was a good pivot from like uh, inclusion and diversity uh, in the same way that what what it takes, I think, is a threat that is immediate, that causes shame and other people. Uh, getting, you know, getting hurt, quote unquote, that are perpetrators of this. And that hasn't happened as much. But it, as it continues to happen, it will become a priority in the same way that like I, I could think of like a consumer electronics show where they have a mantle and, you know, people in the audience create a hashtag and uh, take pictures of these all, all these guys at this and say, we're the women. And it creates a grassroots 
negative brand equity uh, campaign um, because what worked 10 years ago didn't work, doesn't work now. Uh, I think the sustainability is is about to be in that same position. And if it takes a, a Greta to do that, then I also want to shout out Autumn, who is a Canadian like clean water advocate. I follow her too. She's like, these little girls are just, I, I'm love, I like, I love it. They, I like look up to them. They're just doing so much for, you know, like those are the people who I want to watch, not these like spoiled, cele- you know, Same. reality star celebrities. Like these are young girls and boys that are just out there making a difference and really t- being proactive in something that they believe in. I think that's so, you know, like powerful. So I have to shout out. I'm too cynical to be that person, I, so I like yeah. the people that aren't, no! you know? <laughs> like, I applaud mm. them, and I think they're great because I, I've been beaten down by too much pragmatism that even even if you get, like, in the right conversations, uh, it's come up a bunch of times with uh, AOC about the Green New Deal. She's like, this isn't all going to happen. Mm-hmm. But someone has to be able to, you know, push it, right, and be more, quote-unquote, extreme or whatever. Like, and, and we're now in a place where we get to all, as politi- I guess we're all politicians get to say things they don't mean because the spirit of it is that like that's the new you know betting on no matter what side you're on there's a lot of um that so um i'm just so cynical at this point in my life that uh if it's not going to be the kids i don't know who's going to do it i think though but before we move on because i can't i will never forgive myself for saying this these these young people and these environmental extremists are they're all motivated by emotion not by and not not all of them but but many of them are motivated by emotion and this conversation has gotten so emotional and it's starting to shed any sort of fact Mm. or science and that that is a problem that is that is a huge problem and and we we need to not neglect the science of the environment and the the science of conservation and sustainability and i feel like we're in this place right now where everybody's just so goddamn emotional about it and everybody's got to just chill out and that's what these young people are doing is they're getting everybody just so hyped up about it and we're not talking about the science we're not we're not we're not really digging into what the real issues are here and and we have this environment now where anybody can say anything they want and it's fact and that we're we're headed to a really dangerous place uh, with this, and I think this is going to be one of the things over the next ten twenty years that is going to start to tear apart tear apart countries and industries and and this wealth that we all enjoy in in North America. All of us spoiled kids on this podcast. This this is what's this is what's being threatened. So it's going to be. Good thing we have ride. sustainability lists to uh to, to help with that but uh talking about like the, the i just remind, remember the spin class wellness expert do you think that's going to be someone in, like an actual job i feel like that's actually a job role creating right now and not just physical but mental and emotional i feel like and i i want to actually give mm. an example because i connected with someone on linkedin and she let me actually pull her up. I actually thought this was brilliant. I was like, whoa, her name is JD Wildflower, and her title is America's Burnout Coach, Holistic Success, and High Performance Coach. And I thought, and like, the, she actually has all these articles about like burning out. And like, I think that's something that is constantly being talked at, uh, about. And so this is just more on the, you know, like, uh, mental emotional side but i thought this was great like she her approach on this and just that's like what she dedicates her her title and her her life to so 
But what do you guys what do you guys think? Is that something both physical and mental? Do you think that's something that's going to be mental mental health is going to be the conversation that we are going to have more than any other conversation when it comes to wellness over the next 10 years. And mental health issues are on the mm-hmm. rise uh, for the first time in a long time. Men's mental health issues are are playing a huge role in 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 our our world as we know it right now. And there's, I think, big companies are starting to react to this. There's more, um, there's more resources within big organizations for people to get their get their noggin checked every once in a while. Um, there is um, more companies that are moving their benefits and wellness plans into a more customized. You get what you need, not what we're giving you. Um, I, I know some great examples of some big organizations in Calgary that have that have a very, very comprehensive wellness plan that allows you to take the benefits that you need the most and those are now starting to include mental health benefits where where they didn't always before and insurers don't cover so much of what you need to to keep your head on straight and uh and yeah i do think that this is this is something that's already happening in the in the bigger businesses and employers are are understanding more and more that that employees need to be centered and need to get the the mental health support that um that they need to be to be effective um i think that uh you know it's it's interesting everybody you know you're encouraged to go see your doctor once a year for a medical check but we don't have we don't live in this world where you should where you're not getting a mental health check once a year and um, well, that's what event is for <laughs> a mental check on Jesus i have to like Lord. throw in a meme here because this was hilarious and sad but also very true so every company it's a Little meme. Every company, we like to promote mental health in the workplace. Employees, how about hiring more people so we feel less pressured and increase our pay so we can keep up with the spiraling cost of living so we're not so stressed out? Every company, no, not not that. Try yoga. <laughs> and legit, I try. Yeah. That's why I'm doing yoga. So I'll, I'll, I'll be a little bit of on the, the, the opposite side, but does this need to be someone on the event team, though? Like, I totally get so, for the companies and stuff, but why are the event team? Uh, I could see a parallel to the technologists and the sustainability. I'm not going to be able to ever say that. Uh, in as much as, okay, so here's the conversation. You know, like, here's the seat that it's a round table. And then they say, uh, all right, we need to get content in front of people. Uh, what do you think, technologist? Well, here's the here's the type of screen and here's this new technology that's more engaging. Great. Sustainableist. Well, you know, it takes this much power, but if we do it this way, you know, whatever. Great. Um, uh, then we go to the wellness person. Well, if we use this kind of light uh, and we give pauses every 25 minutes, this new study says that like learning uh, is uh, more holistic. It will stick and it will promote this kind of behavior. Great. Next. That's how I envision this kind of like event team of the future. And I think that like is the wellness person weighing in on F and B choices? Yes, they are. Yeah, are they totally. are they weighing in on destinations? You know, smog. Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. Are they weighing in on the registration process and the stress level of that? Yeah. So, like, if they can have a viable impact on every uh, stage of a live event, then I think that they there probably is a value to having that as a team. I love that. And we're we're getting there 
piece by piece, you see it more than ever before, healthier choices in food and beverage, less sitting time, more active uh, breakouts in in meetings, um, opportunities to walk. I've been to conferences now that instead of just putting you on a bus, they also say, if you want to walk, here's a map, which is something that you wouldn't have you wouldn't have seen before. And I appreciate it because I can't tell you how many times I go to America and they stuff you on a bus and drive you three blocks away when I would have just rather walked. Um, so so I, I do think, I do think that we're getting there from a physical, from a physical wellness perspective and, and more and more, I mean, our, our clients and it doesn't matter whether it's uh, it's meetings, conferences or, or galas there, they are talking about the, the health and, and fitness of the attendees and creating opportunities for, for people to stay, stay active. And I want someone yeah, to draw this. Is, this, this like, I happening. feel like these are all superheroes. I want someone to draw what these, Oh yeah, you know, this is, like it's like this is very much or Marvel. I think of like Super Friends or something like that, where there's like a you know, like there's a table with the logo of like you know, uh, events 2020, and then there's like these chairs where there would be these, an acronym you know, like though. Specialist logo would be yeah, some kind of acronym. Sure. <laughs> We're ready to design, but like I, I could see uh, again, like I, I think that like right now all the, there is a technologist there is a sustainableist uh and a wellness person they're just hats and they're not people and i mm, think yes. that like the more sophisticated that we get the more that the vulnerabilities become th- real threats that are in front of us today like there was no c suite position uh in corporate america at least i can speak from that side um 15 years ago outside of a few different industries that had a diversity, a chief of diversity. Right. And that's a position you see, I, I get a, a brief, uh, a weekly brief about um, dedicated to that profession because I'm curious to see like what those people are, are, are seeing. It's a, it's a big position that exists now. And um, it, it's a, a certain point. I think the threat level it, it gets, or the opportunity level gets to such a degree where it stops being a hat and there is a person in that seat. Agreed. It's a great segue to diversity and what the future of mm-hmm. of our event team members will be. Where where do you think we're at with that conversation as far as as diversity goes? Are we ready to have that as a as a team member or is that still very much a hat? In the conference world, it's possibly a team member right now. You know, in in the education, uh, you know, and content uh, departments, let's say, that's potentially an already existing thing. In corporate America, it already exists uh, as a position. Um, you know, so I would assume that they weigh in on events as well. So it's just part of what they do. Um, I think when you broaden the idea of inclusion and diversity to be some sort of in in the idea of experience design more so than in the idea of HR. You know, that's a different angle. Uh, although maybe on that angle, it's more of you're in charge of your supply chain and you're hiring people like 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 Tui's company does or Dustin, like you're hiring organizations and you're bringing them in. Um, and you're looking at the makeup of those organizations. So I think that like there is a supplier relations angle of it to the side of that. That's more kind of HR kind of, you know, uh, whatever supplier relations. The other side is the experience design part. Um, if you broaden it to be a conversation around appealing your design to different types of people, uh, I think that the best design firms will probably incorporate some of, of that into it, you know, sooner rather than later. 
and uh, having like I, I know that there's consultants that already exist in this uh, in this world uh, already. And I know when they talk about design, it's so different. You know, like they're looking at uh, design of of uh, attendee like seating for people of size or of people with disabilities. They're thinking about um people of different ages and like in hearing and having, um, you know, opportunities for, um, you know, uh, visual different forms of communication, like uh, sign language, things like that, uh, all the way to like, okay, let's do a site visit, but let's bring somebody along who understands these different ways that people can experience things. So um, again, like if I could still see that person at the table saying, but what about, you know, people like I, your theater in the round is cool. But what about people like this? Mm-hmm. Like that's where I don't have time if I'm a, a traditional designer to know about every experience and, and some kind of like chief empathy officer would be pretty cool to have. <laughs> when I say when I say diversity, what how do you describe that? Like like maybe starting at will when when just the word diversity, how do you define that? I think it just finds ways to make it more welcoming and open for everybody. Um, that's what I think a lot about when I when it comes to diversity. Um, so, you know, specifically, too, obviously, I do everything through the lens of, like, what I do now. So a lot of times, too, like, I try to figure out for, like, a technological standpoint. Like, for example, something as simple as, like, being cautious, like, when an audio engineer is miking up. A girl versus a guy, for example. I think that's really, really important on a diversity standpoint. And having people, like Nick said, are empathetic to it. But also, as well, I started thinking about this now is that, you know, like, for example, a lot of times we end up getting asked, like, hey, can you provide, you know, hard of hearing devices? And we're like, yeah, sure. And it seems like one person uses it. But I'm pretty sure there's more people that could utilize it in the future. And, like, you know, things like, for example, subtitles and, like, all these technological things I think that can help improve people's experience to make it more welcoming we just don't have anyone who's focusing on it so i think a lot of times it ends up being an afterthought rather than uh like a priority when in reality it's like you know yeah like a if we had more headsets for hard of hearing it made it more visible for where to go pick it up and grab it maybe it'd get utilized more and that 300 dollars you spent on it would get utilized a little bit more i just think about things like that too Mm -hmm. and i think making making those opportunities feel just as natural as everybody else's experience. Um, it's, you know, it's, there's kind of nothing worse than seeing the, like the, the food and beverage and the one person that's got the allergies got the like tightly saran wrap plate at the end with her name on it. It's like, that sucks. That's just not like that person is not having the same experience as everybody else. Um, Tui, what about you? What's what, what goes in your head when you think about diversity? for me, it's just, a, it's understanding each individual and how unique and having that compassion and, and empathy towards it and just recognizing that all individuals are different and that can actually be a benefit. And it actually reminds me, Nick, you mentioned something like in an episode way, way long ago where we're not finding the best people for our industry because, you know, it's just not as diverse or something along those lines. And I this is where this category this this role is where I would give all my money to like most of my you know like and it's so hard to talk about diversity because the, think about it it's about race it's about ethnicity gender um, sexual orientation it's about like economic status even like your age we you know physical abilities we just talked about religious belief all of that ties into diversity and so it's a 
touchy subject, especially I feel like in the corporate world to really engage and, and talk about, but it's so needed. And so to me, diversity and actually inclusion and if anything internally within the company, that's really important to me because if it starts with just building that, that culture and, and being able to, to know what's important to represent, you know, that where we stand, that's like, it should be, I feel like integrated into companies like visions because that really then takes into the planning and execution phase, thinking about those little nuances. But we, as you know, event professionals, I feel like that's just kind of, we don't really think about that. And you're right. Like that whole play, um, here in, in LA, I get all sorts of just crazy food requests, but he, like that to me, yeah, I never want that one person who's, you know, who I get a lot of times like vegetarians, they'll just get like a salad and there's way more choices out there. And the thing is, it's not just sympathy gives them a salad. Empathy gives them something yeah. that is equal. And I think that's like a, a big difference. And, and I think if you're not engaging with people who have that viewpoint, you know, like directly and, and actually actively listening to them and putting your feet in their shoes for a little bit. Um, you would just give them a salad and you're like, look, I ticked, I ticked exactly. the box, you yeah. know, like I, I, they are vegetarian. I gave them like, yes, but if you're designing experiences, tell me what that experience feels like from their point of view. And what you just said, Dustin, like, yeah, like I've sat at that table with that person so many times they wait longer. Mm-hmm. They get their food maybe way early, way late. It looks different. You know, it, it it's, it's calling them out and, and design is better than that. Right. Design takes that into consideration it sees it down the line and it hopefully great design you know it has empathy and then it it makes it so it's you know it it gets an experience that you want i just uh do you think of optics dustin a lot of times when you hear the word diversity like is there a spin on it in canada that is that makes or at least the american version of of diversity like where does optics come in versus the the benefits of diversity of just you know the ideas? Yeah, I I'd say that we as an industry are in the optics phase right now. I think that it's really important that we look diverse, and yeah. we're not thinking about actually being diverse. Yeah, um, I think Sucks. diversity diversity and inclusion is the most feared um, words in our industry right now. And I think they're the most misunderstood. So, you know, on this topic of, you know, the event team member of the next decade, this one's a decade too late or Mm. probably a century too late. And, um, this isn't something that we need. It's something, it's not something we need in the future. It's something that we need right now. Um, I, I was in a, I was in a meeting. I'm going to keep this vague. I was in a meeting. It was in America. We were talking about the personas, of um of the of of the group we were we were working with and i said that our our audience is women and gays and i i thought everybody was going to like drop they were so put off that i said that and that they they didn't know how to respond and i thought i i literally just had the same conversation with a college that i was working with in canada and they like they had facts and figures like they're they 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 knew exactly what they were talking about and they and i just thought what a difference between these two places and that's not a knock to america but it like there was this fear that you can't say that that's not and i thought well if you don't know who you're talking to and you don't know how to how to create an experience for them that's going to work for them how the hell are you going to succeed 
it's funny. I, I, I'm starting to think of it like, like an AV person, right? Like, so I'm looking at like, Will, like I wouldn't use like a lot of audiovisual terminology. I'd walk on eggshells if I was communicating it. Cause I know that I would sound stupid immediately. And I think that a lot of people That's have that it. same fear when it talks about diversity, like there's things that you're like, look, if I just don't talk about it, it goes away. And then we were like, but in the event world, we know have somebody like Will next to us. So we don't sound stupid and just defer to that person. Right. And I think that like, you know, that is the same kind of like person we need. That's like, no, we, women and gays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and like owns it and it can explain why and, and, and does that. And, and you're like, oh, OK, just like Will like demystifies a lot of audiovisual just to, you know, to, to mm-hmm. further elaborate on, you know, like that, that, that parallel. Um, at the end of it, not only do you feel like, okay, it's good that we have this person around. Also, I think I learned something along the way and I'm less scared. Like that is another one of those things where I'm like, that's why that's not a hat to me. It's a job. Mm-hmm. That's there's, cool. There's been some, there's been some good, good traction in the, the world of inclusion in our world. And, and I think, you know, I, I've really noticed um, MPI, I think, has done a really good job with some of their initiatives. And, and you know, some of it's really simple and, and, and maybe it is maybe it is more about optics, but the name badges that have pronouns on them, which is, is great. We need to not put the little flags on people. We need to ask them at registration and it needs to be a part of everybody's, not just those that's it the little flag on um but but it but it's changing i i have filled out a a whole bunch of paperwork over the last few months that are asking people how what do you want to be called what 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 do you want like how should we address you and and i think and i think that's good and i think that we're we're slowly fearfully crawling to a place where um we can we can create spaces that are that are open for everybody it's interesting so i have a bunch of those uh those pronoun uh like uh, flare things because i I just it's just something that's interesting to me so i keep them around uh and just makes me think of that but like i i would say that like there's there's got to be someone who's had the conversation okay so this is third person and second person ways to communicate to somebody uh, that goes on to the name badge of the person's name Mm -hmm. right so i never would say he to you if i was looking at you dustin right so it's, right. It, is that so like, here's the fear thing so are we just doing this for optics to have the the fashion of it and then the answer could easily be easily be no here's why this is important it you know it creates a cultural difference you could have a conversation about somebody else in another right so i would need somebody that was that was engrossed in that world to be able to say like no nick but also an environment that isn't scared for me to ask that question Right. But you don't have any of that unless if everyone's walking on eggshells and there mm-hmm. isn't an authority and there needs to be an authority. Sounds like a great episode for mm-hmm. us to do in the future. Maybe we dive a little bit deeper into that because we could probably yeah. could do a whole hour episode just on diversity. Oh, absolutely. Right? And I even feel like before sure. the whole fear thing, it's a lack of awareness. I feel like people aren't even aware. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, how do we get that word out? Mm-hmm. But actually, let's mm-hmm. um Going on, moving on to the next event team member of the next decade, what do you think of experienced scientists? Because behavior science is getting to be the next talk of, of you know, all those trend reports. Ooh, is, a, <laughs> is a behavior science, is a behavior scientist or behavior sciences and experienced sciences the same thing? I think you need to know, you need to analyze behavior in order to create that experience and especially nowadays that's 
it's it's very scientific. So I feel like it's one in the same. I think somebody with a behavioral science background should be part of the experience team uh, moving forward as uh, clients expect more tangible results uh, for their investments as we you know pull more people in who haven't invested in events in, in the past or people just have escalating uh, oper- asks for what they get. I think that there needs to be somebody in the team with a background in behavioral science who works with your experienced designer uh, as to say, well, yes, but keep in mind what you're what you're utilizing right now is the behavioral design trait of scarcity. And here's how people react to scarcity in this kind of environment or the idea of uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of like another behavioral thing of like cognitive bias, you know, like so like you're what you're explaining is, you know, or, or what you're trying to get around right now is as the problem of this goal of this event of, of changing behaviors. And that's what events exist to do. Um, you are trying to overcome cognitive bias. And if somebody could illustrate that uh, in, you know, in a in terms that are real, that have been proven, you know, quote unquote, you know, as much as you can. Um, I think that those teams would be poised to make larger impacts uh, uh, based on less on um, gut and more on science uh, and data. And I think that you could argue that this person would work hand in hand with a data scientist who could easily have uh, a seat at one of these tables as well. But I think those two would be best friends. I would love to hang out with this person. They would be like... The person I would hang out with all the time. Yes and oh, no. no this is- I will tell you. No. Maybe because I would yeah, be one. Hang out with a first year like uh, a student in a college uh, for either behavioral science or like um, uh, philosophy, and it's the same kind of like. Well, oh, you're not actually. You know this this table isn't actually here, or you know, or like <laughs> oh, you're only believing that like. My wife and I have done like Myers Briggs together, and I'm like, it's cool, but like, it's terrible too. Like, don't. There's some things that like maybe I don't know. I, I'm not hiring for like you know the uh, best friends of the next ten, ten years, but <laughs> if I'm like protecting my business and and providing as much stakeholder value as possible, I'm I'm considering that this is a decent person to have. But I don't, if you want to learn, cool person, I guess. But like also like absolutely makes all of human behavior to a boring science i have a i have a friend who is is wicked wicked intelligent like just just blows my mind she's so smart and her background is all in cognitive behavior sciences and you like sometimes you can't even have a conversation because it's like it's like she's just trained to pick everything you say apart and you're like girl i just want to bitch about this yeah Jeez, yeah. i just like, said it was busy come on i know that's like, god uh, doesn't that's mean why, anything that's why i never say i'm I busy was busy <laughs> yeah now, also now you start tell that's why you don't ever hang out with podcasters because then they just say well i, I, I legit just did that huh? yesterday and now she's she's a fellow brewer she's like i love it but i don't yeah. know but that's Welcome the conversations the i feel like you want to have not about the weather it's like maybe because this i see myself in this person uh this 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 role because i was a philosophy minor in college and to me analyzing like that i just want to learn so much about this realm because it's so intriguing to me yeah i'm i'm really into philosophy and i also find myself to be a bore so uh maybe i'm just projecting like so i love hanging uh, out with you and talking to it, you nick <laughs> Yeah, if you don't like talking, I'm perfect. 
<laughs> took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> hey, it's what I do. That's, that's the whole thing. And that's why we have you on the show. <laughs> I think I think we have time for one more, right? Well, you're going to cut us off. You no, know, no. At, at, let's let's wrap up the last couple ones we have on this uh, this note sheet on here. But these almost could be tied together, so I feel like they might almost yeah. have the same conversation. But we have on here risk manager, and then a crisis team leader uh, as well. So like, you know, we have all this talk of uh, potential safety related things. You know, I think a lot of times we're so busy that we don't evaluate all the risks and you know what could happen. Um, instead, we say, you know, oh, that's not going to happen. I think this is the person who's going to say this is going to happen, and here's how we're going to deal with it. My crisis team leader is a hat, by the way. It's not a. It this one is. I think it's a. It's a requirement, but it is a hat. So, in the midst of a crisis, roles flip. There's a new script, and it might not be the the ultimate authority in your team. Uh, the the traditional authority, the regular authority in your team, it's a different person. Like again, I've I've used this example. If one of your stagehands, you know, was career military and you know has knows understands how to do a sit rep and understand situation report and knows how to organize people in a crisis and like doesn't blink. Um, look, they might be your crisis team leader in the midst of that type of environment. Um, I don't know, but like, I, I do believe that, that that should be a designated role that like when the crisis thing flips, that's a new, that's a hat that's worn. My, uh, my company has a dedicated, uh, full-time health and safety manager. So their, their job is to obviously manage our health and safety system. Um, and we do, um, a job hazard assessment before every single task, before every shift. Um, and it is, a it's, it is a really important part of what we do. Now that's more, um, definitely the focus of, of those efforts are more for the safety of our workplace and our employees and less on, on the guests, but we definitely do have a mechanism to look at everything that we're doing and saying who, who's going to be at risk here. And how do we evaluate and then um, have a system in place to um, ensure that there's a there's a process to evaluate those hazards and and limit them as much and as Dustin, possible. And Dustin, you said they have a military um, background or were they like security? What was they, their what's their background? Uh, it's administratively okay. trained. So we have a we have a program in Alberta that um, it's called Partnerships in Health and Safety, and it's a government led. Um, certification that you have to apply for and be audited. So our business gets audited every year um, to ensure that we're in compliance with all of the standards. And um, it's, it's, we in Alberta, just because we have such a, our, um, our industries are mostly oil and gas. And it's just, it's a lot of, a lot of rig on site type stuff. We've got a, we've got a really robust health and safety requirement and um it's a you you have to opt in it's not mandatory for businesses to have a program like i have so i think i'm i'm one of only a handful of companies of my type across canada that have the the program that we have and it comes at a huge 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 expense but um what i know is that that having this person and having this 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 risk management mindset will it sets us ahead from our competitors. It allows us to go to big businesses and say, 
you know, we work the way you work. We have the same core certification that you have, um, and that's very rare in our industry, but it's going to be required. And in the next 10 years, health and safety is going having a health and safety program is going to be a government requirement. It's not going to be an option anymore. So, um, so yeah, this, this, this is the one that I think we're not going to be able to decide whether we're going to have. I think this is the one that we're going to get told to have eventually. Well, thoughts? I mean, you have no thoughts. I'm just, I, I'm, ex- I'm excited about it. I, I, th- I think I agree 100% with Dustin. I'm actually really fascinated. I'm going to probably talk to you offline and maybe we do like a full episode that I'm curious about the health and safety thing and maybe we'll take it on one of the other podcasts. But I think that's uh, really, really cool. And I mean, like most people would assume like I can't afford that, but you guys have it as a requirement, which I think is so cool. Yeah. You, what you can afford is to um, have a serious injury on a work site. What you can't afford is to have a death on a work site. What you can't afford is to is to put your employees at risk and that that's what you can't afford to do you can afford to have a health and safety program and we can uh, we can take this to to a full episode and i've got lots of resources and tools i'd be more than happy to to share i love it all right should we wrap up with the last position and then our our question at the end so um i think this one's kind of obvious because we've talked a lot about it and i think in past episodes is the idea of a pure just someone that's purely a strategist on a team what's your guys's thoughts thumbs up yes. approval we have a whole episode. Well, about we this, talked about we? it a lot during the 2009, yeah. like the global event forum report when we analyzed this. Yeah. So I think this is the person that would actually be like the leader, the one that's like the most, I don't want to say the most valuable, but beneficial to a company making like profit and just making sure that they have that blueprint in that direction. So this person is really vital. Mm-hmm. They built the foundation. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Strategy is, yeah. Strategy is different than design. You know, and they work in concert, you know, ideally. But um, it, again, it's one of those hats that has been worn by the planner who also has to think about menus and diversity and technology and wellness and, and all of that, all of those things. And I think that, like, if, if what we talked about today could be summed up in anything is that to get better at events and we have to get better. Um, we have to put some people underneath some of these hats and, and take, you know, not have hat on a hat. Hat on a hat on a hat. Inception hat. So we have a final question on here, which I think uh, we want the audience to also answer along with us as well. So feel free to you know let us know. Um, which one do you think that you would be? So out of all of us here, what do you, which one do you think you would be? I'm going to pick because mine's kind of obvious. I feel like I would end up falling in the technological position, like the technologist, um, just because I love technology so much. And naturally, I also get stereotyped into that role. I want to follow up with that question with which one would you want to be too? Like, which one are you oh, right now? Like if be. you were like in 10 years, what would your title, you know, change to, but which one are you most intrigued with that you would want to like jump to? Uh, strategist now, uh, the, uh, behavioral, uh, person in the future, but I, I don't know if I'm smart enough yet, but <laughs> I'll know we're in 10 We're all in years. trouble then if you're not smart enough. It's big. Dustin? I got too many things like Shivari chairs in the back of my head that d- does me no good. Oh, get those out of your head. They don't need to be there. They shouldn't be at an event or in your head. What, what about you, Dustin? What would you choose? Um, I think I don't, I don't know which one I would be, but the one that I would choose to be is the sustainableist. I mm. think that, that there needs to be another side of the voice in that conversation. And, uh, 
and I, I would be there to make sure that the next generation doesn't tear our entire industry and economy apart. So, uh, yeah, Greta, I'm coming for you. <laughs> Some balance to that conversation, you know, that's pragmatic would be good. I have a I have a Amy Martin on my team. Um, I think, Nick, you've definitely met Amy before. Yep. She is she's such a hippie and she is she's one of those people that that took a day off to go to the Greta Thunberg rally. I don't think she listens to this podcast. If she does, forgive me, Amy. Um, But she very much, very, very much is a very left left um, um, has left facing values. And and I I see I see where this conversation is really important. And I admire the. Um, the energy that that the next generation has towards this, and I mean, I'm lucky because Amy is incredibly smart, and she's 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 totally willing to get in the weeds and argue things out with me, and she still doesn't vote the right party, which is okay. I guess you're not allowed to tell people how to vote, but yeah, that's that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to go sustainableist, and I'm going to fight the good fight for all of our uh, event brew listeners. Love that. I feel like I'm a, right now I'm a small fraction of experienced scientists being an experienced designer. But if I had to choose out of this whole list, I would say diversity and like inclusion. That's something that becomes more and it. more important. It's between that or wellness expert because I'm definitely the one that tries to get you to go to yoga with me. Um, but diverse, I, especially being like the token Asian all the time everywhere. And honestly, like I'll, I'll admit like, Everyone always says, like, I'm whitewashed and all these things. But as I get older and even on a design aspect, like, uh, talking about politics, like, a few years ago, someone was complaining about, you know, like, these refugees. And it's still a conversation, like, coming in and taking our jobs and all these things. And they say to me, what do you think about that? And I go, well, not only am I an immigrant or a first generation, but I'm also a refugee. And my parents came, like, escaped the country and, like, provide me. And I don't think I'm hindering our country or anything of that nature so i feel like there needs to be a bigger voice and i think there's it's a lot of tiptoeing around but i that's something that is so important Mm -hmm. i think i could be a good representative in that in that world people who have knowledge in that area and aren't yelling that's what i want you know like create a space a safe space for people who are ignorant and i don't mean ignorant in a negative way like it just don't know and create a safe space. Yeah, that, that's so vitally needed. We don't have those. And I think face to face is is like the place, you know, geez, I just rhymed face to face would be an amazing opportunity to come together, uh, combat all the noise that of yelling that is happening digitally. Yep. I love yep. this conversation, you guys. This is really yeah, fun. I, Whose idea was this? To eat. Yeah, that's a good one. From from a polite Canadian, well, not like you from a being polite Canadian, <laughs> meaning meaning the country, not me personally. When somebody has that conversation with you, I want you to punch them in their in the throat from me, <laughs> and you just you you let them know that that's a message from okay. Canada. Okay. Yes. That's. Seems- I feel like I know all the aggressive Canadians. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> all right. So, like Will said, we're. Uh, we're going to take this home. Actually, does anyone have any other things? I feel like we're, we'll definitely elaborate this about this in, in future, you know, like specifically. But any other last words before we close out? I love how we start every one of these and we say, if it only ends up being 30 minutes, we'll record two. They and always, they always end up being an love, hour. That's, I think that's so great. Like, I don't, I'm just all about. 
I, I want to be challenged by people listening to come up with ones that we haven't thought Ooh, of. Ooh, that's I'm, great. I'm sure there's a dozen more. I, I would like that would be a very great way to pay us back uh, for the free entertainment we provide <laughs> you. Mm-hmm. Give us more. And if anybody wants to send us some yes! fan art of what these superheroes would look like, Wait, we would love like... to see it. Are we there yet? Do you think we're there to start getting we'll fan do... art? Oh my god! We could definitely put it in the blog. Yeah, for sure. I'll, I can, we'll, we'll update the blog with the Wait, fan art. Yes, because sure. awesome. I know we have like our little cartoon like headshot of us, but if we could just become like yeah. superheroes, I would. That would be my new profile pic. Did you make a cartoon out of me? I haven't seen this. Yeah, it's, it's not on, supposed it's on to the know. Blog. Yeah, it's been, it's been publishing with your like next to every episode for like the last whatever episode we are on now. A couple of we- weeks or months we've been doing this. <laughs> well, oops. all right. So closing out, I just want to thank just Dustin, Nick, Will for just continuing to have these really intellectual and fun conversations and really diving deep into all these unique convers- like topics that that we we have day in you know weekly we want to thank the guests the, the brewers for for listening and engaging with us thank you so much we love hearing all your comments all your remarks and and we always come back and, and discuss those things if you have any questions you want to see show notes links to all the resources shared our transcript all uh, those links to subscribe go to eventbrew.com and then also rate and review us there's so many podcast episodes or uh, avenues that you can can listen to us on apple Podcasts, podcast google play spotify and that helps us with people finding like if you rate and, and review us other people finding yeah. that podcast and we want to know what you think so thank you guys so much the brew crew dustin will a bit extra nick for constantly conversating and picking these fun topics that are not only intellectual but you know trending whatever but also just fun to elaborate with with you three on a weekly basis we want to thank the guests the brewers for for always listening and interacting with us we love hearing your comments and your remarks good and bad it really helps direct our our future episodes if you have any questions you want to see show notes links to all the resources shared our transcripts go to eventbrew.com and subscribe there Uh, also there's tons of avenues you can listen to our recordings rate and review us please on apple Podcasts, pocket cast google play spotify this helps us a ton with helping people find us and to and to bring this community together and we want to know what you think so you can on social media hashtag us at hashtag event brew or you can send us a email eventbrew at helloendless.com and if you want to snail mail us just let us know directly and we'll send you will's address so thank you all so much (laughs) and until next time thank you and bye Thanks again for listening to Event Brew. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head to eventbrew.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. See you next time on Event Brew.